0: And welcome everybody to episode two of the uh, Vietnam Swans AFL podcast. Uh, keep honking, thats the wonderful name. My name's Ryder Rocket White, and uh, I was. Very lucky to be numero uno in terms of uh, the first podcast of the Vietnam Swans. But um, without sounding too self indulgent, we we'll reverse roles for the second podcast here. So, without any further ado, let me give you a brief overview of our, our, our next guest here. He's been in Vietnam for well over 10 years. Uh, he hails from the uh, of the suburb that has been affectionately known as uh, having the greatest AFL player ever grace the the turf of uh, the MCG. He has a head like a battered hot dog that's been run over a couple of times and then reversed back on. But that uh, that doesn't dismiss his passion for football or his living for Vietnam. So without any further ado... The, the the current committee ex-club captain, done it all, jack of all trades. Billy Crang, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Rocket. What a what a welcome. I think you've summed it up pretty well. That covers almost everything. Um, be interested to see where we go from here.
0: <laughs> it covers almost everything. Now that yeah. is absolute rubbish. Oh, I, yeah. I know that for a fact, that's absolute rubbish. Because yeah. I've got a multitude of questions to ask you about your life, and but the first one I want to understand because we probably didn't nail that too well last week
1: when we spoke was why the podcast. All right, um, yeah. So it's been—I mean—part of my passion for the Footy Club has always been the people, uh, and it goes in 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 waves, always good waves. But you know, there's just people continuously flowing through the club, and we we've, we've probably. Over a few happy hours, always said, you know, if we got down all these stories one time, be a book or something. Like that. We're not going to write a book, so uh, yeah, the podcast format probably came a bit to the forefront during the the COVID kind of shutdown, and yeah. I started yeah, agitating to to get it up and running, and yeah, from there you were you were good enough to to volunteer to be my test dummy. And here we go. I hope from, um, from here we can spout out in all directions. And like I said, I just think there's that many stories to tell. And I hope it's, a, it's something that can connect a bit of the club history as we go on. We jump back to some of those old blokes and you can have a listen and learn all about their life on and off the, the footy field with the Swans. Yeah. And yes. um, yeah, tie everything back together a little bit because there is a lot of stories woven through the years.
0: Yeah, that's true, I guess, because there's probably quite a lot of characters that have come through the club. Uh, oh, good. Some good, some bad, <laughs> some evil, yeah. some indifferent. And we've got a few there right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> all, all boxes checked.
0: Yeah, that's true. Now, I'm really curious, and I think most people are, because as I said last week on the, on, on the pod, that you were my first contact point when I first arrived in Vietnam. Now, going back, I guess, with your journey, uh, first of all, how did you end up in Vietnam? And then how did you end up at the swamp?
1: Yeah, so, um, okay. My arrival in Vietnam wasn't as, as well-planned or orchestrated as, as people like yourself. Um, I was actually travelling throughout Southeast Asia and uh, the, the travelling kind of environment is is always a bit testing. You you show up in a town, you try to find you know where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to see, and everybody tries to fleece you on your on your merry way around the town. And I got to Vietnam, and one of my um, one of my good friends from high school had been here for a few years. I think that was a factor, and he was able to really show me the ropes um, straight off the bat. But I think it was also the energy of the place, um, and so. It was it was never planned, but it just kind of stuck. There was no point going past here. Um, and then the, the time came where finances were getting stretched, the holiday was due to end. People at home were saying, um, geez, I thought, um, I thought you said you were going for two months. Feels like it's been six months. I said, yeah, oh, actually it's been nine. Um, and so I got a job. And from there I've been able to network here and I think work-wise it's been a better place to to kind of apply my trade than, than probably back home would have been because there's just a yeah. lot of flexibility in in the way things happen.
0: Yeah, true. A couple of things there you touched on. First of all, I'd like to delve further into the comment around show me the ropes. Uh, now, when, when you're good friend... And what year are we talking? We're talking, what, 2008, 2009? I think late 2008.
1: Late 2008.
0: 2008. Yeah. So, I... She was still a bit of the wild west i suggest back in 2008.
1: Yeah, you could say wilder. Wilder.
0: Wilder. Okay. And then in terms of your mate saying just show you the ropes, can you define for someone who'd never been to Vietnam what show the ropes might be? What might look like in in um, Vietnam?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> I think this might speak volumes for your mind, but um no, it's more like uh especially with the 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 previous couple of months of traveling uh, people had, you know, we'd been robbed on a bus in Thailand. We'd been, you know, uh, under delivered on accommodation and meals and things like that. As we'd traveled around, we'd had people sort of hassling us. He he was able to take me, you know, straight, straight to the good local food joint and say, this is where you eat. This is, this is what they charge you. Um, And, and, you know, change money, all of those things just without the hassle of the, the typical kind of backpacking circuit. Um, obviously these days I know that you just jump on the Vietnam backpackers' hostile bandwagon and you don't deal with any of those troubles. But it was, it was a relief to me. And there was, like you said, it was the slightly wilder east than it is today. And he was able to give me some do's and don'ts back in, in those times. And there weren't too many don'ts, I'll put it that way.
0: <laughs> I could imagine, I could imagine. Now, Tell me, because I, I think we've briefly discussed this, but I actually don't know the nitty-gritty to it. But obviously, we talked about your born and bred around the Chelsea area, which is obviously the home football club of, um, of Lee Matthews, which is obviously known as the greatest AFL player of all time. And then also following in his footsteps was, was the junkyard dog in Travis Johnston. <laughs> now, uh, it turned out to be the junkyard dog, I we went to Brisbane. It looked like a shag on a rock. Yeah. Now, unlike your good self, we, what, what's your career path in, in, in Aussie rules? Because I wasn't sure you played a hell of a lot.
1: Yeah, oh, it, I think it shows, doesn't it?
0: Um, <laughs> well, I didn't want to go down that path, but since you raised yeah. it, I am
1: the coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah hence back is your spot. Yeah. <laughs> you, that way. No, I think we're kicking that way, coach. Yeah, that way. Um, <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Chelsea footy pedigree, I wasn't so sure of as a, as a kid, but I, I, I did have this distinct memory that Lee Matthews was on the walls. Um, it struck me uh, when, when you asked me before this podcast, struck me that he might have just been on the walls because he was an uh, incredible football player and I'd, I'd lived my life justifying my football off, off his, uh, his upbringing. But uh, it turns out Lee Matthews did play for the Chelsea Seagulls and so did I. Uh, the difference was at about under 10s, under 11s, Um, I complained to my dad one too many times that my hands were cold after a a Friday night game at the Chelsea footy club and him putting them in the the hot water bucket. And he said, right, you little pussy, that's enough. Uh, I'm not taking you to footy anymore if you're going to... So I I didn't really enjoy it. I was doing a few other things. I was pretty focused on getting down the beach. We lived on the beach in Chelsea, so doing the life-saving, sailing sailing yachts. Lex Bertrand, Chelsea, Lex, Bertrand. Bay, you mean. Lex Bertrand also uh, is a you know a, a famed uh, grower upper in the, the Chelsea area. Went on to win okay. the America's Cup. John Bertrand. Sorry, Lex Bertrand's his brother, who was still involved yeah, in the right. club when I was there.
0: Okay, <laughs> no, 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 don't let me pick you up. Just a minor, just a minor little bit of history. Yeah, correct, yeah. So was all good about
1: I'm getting that right.
0: Right, okay. And so clearly with cold hands at the age of nine, you had the pain tolerance of a heavy sneeze then by the sounds of that.
1: Yeah, I, I it, it could verify that with my old man. But yeah, I think he's, uh, his tolerance wore thin and he said, right. Um, so you can imagine his surprise when I called him up 27, 26 years later. I said, yeah, Dad, I'm um, playing my first game of footy next weekend against the Bali Geckos.
0: It's like, what? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, what a, way of a of, shock. Yeah, well, we you played that. a
0: bit of footy. You played. You played a bit of footy in Queensland,
1: didn't you? No, no. not at all. No, no, no. All right. no just, I had to. Soft. I had to. I had to deeply bury that part of my past. If you were to right, okay. a bar on the Sunshine Coast and so much as pay attention to the AFL when it's on screen, you're you're going to be. So prepared. then the
0: question. The question begs itself then, now. Then Billy Where's this passion for AFL come from now, given that your glorious speeches on your doorstep in Saigon or in Vietnam?
1: Uh, the passions for the footy club, it's its not so much for, for AFL. Having said that, the, yeah. the AFL passion has rubbed off on me. More so in probably the last couple of years, I've got gotten back into it and watching on the AFL pass and watching AFL 360 each night. Um, yeah. So it was the footy club. So I came to the Swans and part of the footy club was... Uh, very who, got, much.
0: who got you in? Who got you in the first uh,
1: So it was actually a friend who I'd met, Nathan Forth, who is a gun on baller. I'd say he's yep. still playing football in the, the kind of Portland area, which is quite a good uh, recruitment Jeez, area for the Swans.
0: proving ground for the
1: Swans. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that Warnable area. Anyway, so he, I, I knew him around town and he was always at me saying, come down, have a kick, come down, have a kick. And uh, we had a Saturday morning breakfast and he said, right, uh, footy training's on. So I came down yeah. and I think in a pair of thongs, pretty much the way I probably showed up to most trainings that you've coached. <laughs> um, yes. and, he, and I was still thinking at this stage, I'll have some beers afterwards. I'll sit through this. I won't, won't have a run. And um, two things happened. The The Swans is a very uh, diverse group of people, as we sort of touched on. And I, I did have a look and I thought, well, I'm not the I'm not the oldest person here. I'm not the unfittest person here. I'm probably not the least coordinated person here. And it just felt like the right environment to have a kick. And I still do maintain it's the best environment to play a bit of footy that you'd ever find. Um, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. And from there, that weekend, met a lot of the other guys. They included some some people like Phil Johns and uh, Gus. They were... Memorable.
0: Going to do my next question of that of Ah. that time of when you uh, when you waltzed into the club. Anyone there that you met on that on that in that year? Let's say is still around today. And obviously you've touched on Phil is still dipping in and out. Angus, who is who's still there. Gus, Uncle Gus. Mister Powell.
1: Mister Powell was on the track that day. Wow. Uh, and here's a bit of a, uh, I don't think it's a trivia question, but um, Big Drew Franklin was the coach of that session and he actually ran out for the Thailand Tigers in the last Asian champs. He's just landed uh, back in Thailand in his, his global sort of crisscross travels. So yeah. that was a bit of a, a funny thing to come across him as we were walloping the, the Tigers last champs.
0: <laughs> right. He's gone downhill in
1: his footy s- since then. S-
0: side note. Yes, thank you. <laughs> a little bit of a clip to the Thailand Tigers on the way yeah. through there. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah. A little bit of a drive-by. Uh, so, so, anyone else? Like, was Flapper there then? I
1: don't know. Flapper no, no. Or Damo not. or Ah uh, Damo, Damo Judd, yeah, Damo would have been, but he wasn't at that session. I'm not... Yeah, right. I get the feeling his, his work, he was working with Mr. Powell at the time, but I get the feeling they were when they were under the pump, they were really under the pump because they'd, yeah. they'd go kind of missing for patches and then... There was a few of those guys, and then they'd show up. Um, yeah, so the other one that was a big part of my early days at the footy club was Nick Shields. He was
0: oh yeah,
1: uh, larger than life. He didn't leave Vietnam, but uh, yeah, yeah, he was down there. Um, yeah. And there's no one else who's still. Oh, I'd I'd hate to be forgetting someone who I've been mates with yeah, for yeah, no, yeah, right. now. Well, but but you still
0: keep mind. in contact with a few of those boys, right? Because yeah, hundred percent. The, the catch-ups that happened down on Boxing Day and stuff like that yeah. for the
1: cricket. I've only made it to one of them. But, um, yeah, there's there's still plenty of uh, contacts from those days and uh, all the way through the journey, which is great. Yeah. All
0: right. Now, let, let's talk about two other passions in your life and in no particular order. But surfing is number one, <laughs> followed <laughs> by Vietnamese women. Or I let me be more so Let me take. Let me be more yeah, specific. Be careful, be careful. Your Vietnamese wife, should I say? So let's take the surfing one first. Now yeah. Let's get, talk to us about now. I know you and JV are very tight-lipped about these special. You and Evan as well, Evan. being Big yeah. Evan, talk about these special beaches that you go to for surfing and get along there and have it, get some good waves. But tell us, give us some best beaches in Vietnam. Ah, uh,
1: yeah. Um, I've had a few quits from Evan, actually, for being a bit loose-lipped around town after a few beers. <laughs> um, so the reality is that from Muinay, which is about four hours out of Saigon, um, yeah. Muinay north until Da Nang and perhaps a bit beyond. I haven't ventured that far. Muinay to Da Nang is rife with waves For yeah. for... I lived on the Sunshine Coast, which is, it's not, it's not, a, it's not the Gold Coast, but it's, it's renowned for pretty good waves, Noosa and quite a few other good spots. And uh, I reckon we get as many surfable days here as, as they get there. Uh, the, yeah, difference, right. the difference is a good day at Noosa, which happens five times a year, uh, you get to share the waves with basically an MCG crowd in the lineup. It is, it's an absolute joke. Um, here, here in Vietnam, the biggest challenge is uh, getting your mates organised uh, so that you've got somebody to, to you know, scoot up, scoot out to check the surf with you and discuss yeah. it all and um, go and go and have a an iced coffee or a beer if it's your last surf for the day. So yeah, it's it's an incredible coast, um, and I mean most people still focus on the. This is you know, the weak point of all travel. I think most people focus on the, the on-the-map places and it's, it's off the map that, that all, the good, all the good stuff is.
0: Well, that's why I'm sort of raising the topic because for the, for the handful of people, let's say more than a handful, but the handful of people are going to listen to this that might be in Australia looking to come on the next holiday because when Vietnam it looks like opening back up as one of these sort of hubs, so to speak, uh, Vietnam is a hotter destination And certainly for beaches is out of this world So And no doubt There's a few surfers Amongst them
1: Yeah there's no surf Anyone from Australia Looking to come across No surf No surf None of that um, you, I mean that's That's our biggest fear These things can get out of hand Pretty quick It's happened Yeah Many times But there's waves all, Like I said Mune to Da Nang, It's all waves You can't go too wrong uh, There's better And there's better spots We think But we find new spots yeah. Every season so, um, yeah, if, if someone wants to get in the water, it's, it's a brilliant piece of coast. Get a scooter. Um, get someone to jimmy you up a, a kind of rough board rack and go for a ride. You, you'd never fail doing that.
0: Yeah, true, 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 true. Now, now moving into the, 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 the greatest passion of your life, you got married um, yeah. to a lovely... Vietnamese lady Now, I don't think The story's ever been properly Told about how you two met um, How did that all come about Like, uh, she's a pretty sharp woman Your wife Now uh,
1: What are you trying to say?
0: No, dude No disrespect but, but I tell you There must be some magic that goes on When your mates aren't around and have a couple of beers or I don't know, you must be some sort of crooner or how did you, how did you woo her? Like that's the, that's the crazy part. Uh, um, and I certainly wouldn't have been via your Vietnamese set Cause I've seen that in action, which is obviously better than mine, but I'm really curious as to how you uh, were able to woo the lady.
1: Yeah. So um, it's, it's not as, as I, I should, I should create a better story for you here, but I'm under the pump. Uh, she used to work for the ANZ um one of my bank I ANZ bank, bank. Yeah, yeah yeah um here in Vietnam when they were a thing um and anyone who ever dealt with the ANZ in Vietnam knew that it was it was a pretty tough pretty tough going in there um yeah they used to run under the premise that they were called ANZ they used the logo and they had the same celebrities that would be in an ANZ bank in Australia but they were no way <laughs> related to anz bank in australia especially when they were responsible for transferring your money or or you know processing payments for you back and forth when you're trying to run a business at this end and so it was it was an absolute nightmare if if you know money would go missing for a week and they'd they'd say they don't know where it is even though it's anz to anz all these things that you just you'd hope for a little bit better from a so-called you know financial icon of Australia.
0: Um, so, so, for I, you ANZ, so, so for all you ANZ employers listening out there, what we're saying, there's a little bit clip. of room for improvement. We're not actually shitting uh, counting you completely, but there is
1: some room for improvement. Well, feedback they were proven as crooks at the Australian end last year, weren't they? And they were just incompetent. My beautiful wife was doing a great job. Um, she was actually signing people up for, for credit cards and, and whatnot. Uh, but it happened to, unfortunately for her, those people were, and the better-looking people are placed on desks out the front, and so when yeah. I was when I was coming in and waiting to to recheck, you know, what transaction had gone missing this week or whatever, uh, she'd happen to be in the foreground, and I'd I'd ask her if she happened to know uh, what, anything about about my problems, and sure enough, we we talked and talked, and um, there's less personal privacy here in Vietnam, so she was forced to have a, a real phone number on a business card, and from that, I was able to slyly move on to some, some coffee and, and a dinner after that. And right. the, re- the rest, as, as they say, it's, it's all history.
0: So you went for the, yeah, you went for the personal transaction rather than the financial vent transaction, but not nice After Yeah. I
1: mean, that was, that was the only thing that, yeah, that made the old trip to the ANZ worthwhile and it turned out as very worthwhile. So thank you, ANZ. I'm really glad that you came to Vietnam for a few years.
0: Um, okay, there's a there's a there's a reverse there's a reverse pat slap right
1: there. <laughs> yeah. no, no. So so from there we actually celebrated our two year wedding anniversary last night. Um, really? Yes, oh, yes. But, so yeah, if you were to, if you were to look back through your your Google Maps or something like that, you would have been down in Baria On this, I was Barria Absolutely on, on Great, this fantastic. Two years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember that
0: day. Those couple of those couple of those loose units of yours that came up from Australia.
1: Yeah. They were partied for about a week. Yep. they um, Yeah, they met the uncles. A couple, couple of good lads. Yeah. Had a very good trip, those boys.
0: Now, now swinging the talk back to footy. Um, and, and I guess a few more footy questions. So after oh, I waffled on last week for just over an hour, we're going yep. to try and yep. get this under a, a bit less than that this week. So, um, so swinging back to footy. Now, who, this is a this is a question without notice, but the way you play the game, which is fairly, I'm going to say this in a nice way, but it's, it is a backhanded compliment. It's a bit unorthodox. But who would you say you model your game on at a, at a current AFL level?
1: I'm oh, pretty sure my, uh, <laughs> my ilk has well and truly left the game. But uh, there would have been some dour. So I mean, my my thinking is, um, focus on something that you can, you can get your head around. And so I've always, you know, when someone says we need a our forward for a day, I'll, I'll go and try, and it's it's pretty embarrassing. And and I don't know why. Um, you've tried to tell me a few a few pointers. It just doesn't help. Well, if you don't have it, maybe you just don't have that instinct. So
0: no, uh, full true. back,
1: full back. I've always found. that, you get somebody who knows what they're doing. They take you to the right spot, and um, from there you just kind of have a crack. Um, have
0: you heard of a bloke called? Have you heard of a bloke called Simon Prestige Comer?
1: I have heard of. Yeah. Is that your? Yeah. Uh, okay.
0: The human, the human blanket didn't get many kicks. Yeah. But he, but his, but his opposition didn't get many kicks either.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I've, I've just always found it more rewarding to you know to pick a job and just focus on it than. Um, and it's funny, you know, we've had Irish guys come in that can go and read, play, and pick it off. And yep. um, I, yeah, I mean, I've always just been more suited to have it come at me than than try to get it to come at me.
0: Righto. Now, a bit more, again, closer to home. Who has been the best player that you've seen wearing the Vietnam Swans guernsey over the journey?
1: Um, I mean we go to to numbers the fact that, that Dukes, he went back to back to back to back best and fairest. Uh, what what his i mean what his i think we've had plenty of midfielders you know yeah. he he was no better than Jakey i would say at the moment but what yeah. he what he and, and i'm not and, and i think Jakey's the most incredible footballer just for his so duksy say, du- we're but saying he, Dukes he's now yeah, cambodia right yeah, yeah, but what he could do in in his Swans days was he could lift to whatever we needed, and he just had those. I, I think he just had the the silkiness, like the skills to be able to. And and he really did pick us out of a lot of. So you know those those near run games or games that are in the balance, he could really yeah. just just elevate us above. And if I was gonna if I was gonna throw in a a contender, it'd have to be the Grouch, who's um. On a a similar on a similar note, just a uh, uh, that that kind of level above um, everyone else. So he's capable of of just taking a game and doing whatever he wants. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot I'm going past. I mean, in in era, there was four or five guys. They were all teachers at the time. Heater And and Nat Payne off the off the halfback line, and, and a few more that were incredible players, Revo um, and Jukesy. just, he was as good as them probably until, until there was a reason for him to get better. And he just time after time did it. Um, I think the Grouch has got a bit of that in him too.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with with both those comments. So in terms of those blokes, what about across Asia? Because you've played a fair bit of footy across Asia. So you've seen a fair few yeah. come through and you've had some pretty good battles with a couple of blokes too. Down at full back. But also, again, you would have seen a fair bit of talent up and around the ground as
1: well. Yeah. Um, across Asia, uh, there's a few guys that, that have stood out to me probably across the journey. Um, being being the full back, one that, one that I was always, always impressed by, especially probably when I became the captain of the Swans, was uh, Bowski in Hong Kong. And it was a little bit more just the way he kind of carried himself. He would actually play the hole a little bit more, so he, rather than being off a, off a bloke's shoulder. I did try that a few times. Didn't really end so well. But um, yeah. I was very impressed by his footy. He was very reliable, but also able to, to rebound exceptionally well. And he, he just was a great leader of his club. And the other one would be Spargs in the Philippines, who, um, I mean, he's just an incredible... Uh, athlete to start with ended up playing yep. Philippine rugby. Now he's back in Australia, but um, I mean, he is just a, an incredible footballer. And the reason I picked those guys too is because they did it for seven or so years in, in Asian footy. Um, you know, there's plenty of blokes that that are seriously good footballers and come in for a couple of years, but those guys that that you know build a club around them for, for a generation, I, I love to see that. Um, yeah. The other, the other thing I'd love to note is is we play uh, the Indochina teams a lot more, so they're probably the yeah, most rivalries. So guys like like I mean Fitzy for Cambodia through thick and thin. The Cambodians can be um, really struggling, and they'll find a way to lift and, and sometimes knock us off. Sometimes when when they probably shouldn't, and then that makes it more enjoyable for us when we find a way to go and knock them off. Fitzy, Koki, a few of those guys, uh, incredible rivalries.
0: Um, yeah. You've had a good you've had a good stash with that with old Tats down there. At, yeah, Nick. At, at Nick's, fourth, uh, I fourth. mean Yeah. So, and I think the yeah, thing with Nick, your stash with Nick, you've actually never had to apply sunscreen to the roof of your mouth. You know, uh in terms of the fact that he's kicked a bag on you or too too many bags on you. So it's, it's it's always been pretty competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean that's why I enjoy that position because you see a guy like that and you you notice when you when you line up that you're going to be in for a good day and it, one of the things yeah having a guy like that and you watch him in the next game and he'll go and kick eight against Thailand or whoever in an Indochina cup and you sit there and you you feel you definitely feel a bit better about yourself if you've been able yeah, to Yeah no you,
0: you do you you do get those crazy eyes though sometimes on on game day when you sort of when you got that challenge yeah. ahead of you
1: yeah well that's that's I'll let you know you're alive <laughs>
0: Now, it's reflecting again on, the, on your time with the Swans, because as I said, it's been a lengthy time with the Swans. Yeah. Um, and you've done many, many tours. And, uh, and, I, and I know, and I think I know what you're going to say here, but I, I, again, I'd rather hear it from your, the horse's mouth, so to speak. But in terms of, I guess, the sort of biggest highlight or best tour um, across the journey for you, and fondest memory? What would,
1: what would that be in your eyes? Um, that's a pretty easy one. Um, the Manila Cup we won. I think it might be, uh, two thousand uh, and fifteen. Sixteen? Fifteen? Yeah. Sixteen? Uh, yeah. Could be either. And the reason would probably be that that was probably the, the peak of, my, <laughs> the peak of my Asian footy, powers, so to speak. Like you know, I'd, I'd been around long enough, enough to get. How it worked. Um, I knew how all the clubs were. I just sort of was in a in a good spot. We we obviously had a cracking squad. Um, I did room with with Dave O'Shea on that tour. Who'd come? He'd just moved Ooh. to Jakarta, but he'd come back to the Swans. We stayed in a Backpackers hostel. I think we messed up our booking a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it. I mean, and he was one of my my favourite people to play football with because because he was just one of those heart and soul footy club sort of, sort of guys. It was great to have him back in the mix. Um, And yeah, obviously getting up in that sort of tournament, that was something that we'd set ourselves for two years to do. Um, It had been a progression to what, similar to what we've done in the last few years. But for me, that was when I was really able to be a big part of the the push. I was um, a, a big part of that energy I felt. And obviously Dave and I accidentally booking ourselves into a dorm room of a Backpackers in the main street of Makati, Manila. We had a decent night after that and a decent Sunday. Um, so yeah, Was all that an ha-
0: accident, Bill? Sounds, it sounds pretty normal form by you.
1: No, the normally, well, I don't know what we were thinking. But um, <laughs> I just remember we didn't, we didn't really spend much time in that dorm, so it didn't matter. But um, I just remember us being there and going, oh, how are we going to deal with these, these people later if it comes to it? But um, they were fine. We were fine. And all, all ended up pretty good. That Sunday with the Hong Kong boys in, in one of the bars there was, was absolutely incredible. One of the, the best memories I've ever had. Yeah, Grant, Ke- yeah, Grant yeah. Keyes feeding me chicken wings after that is almost my last memory from that, from that tour.
0: Well, that was sort of going to lead me into sort of beautifully. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful segue into my next question. And I want to know whether or not this is a Krang family trait or not. Um, whether that be on the male side, I, I find it highly unlikely <laughs> to be on the female side. Yeah. But, but can 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 you explain now? I know you're a hard worker, and we haven't touched on your 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 uh, your well ability of uh, being a digital expert. Let's call it that at uh, the moment. But now, do you not get enough sleep? But no, you're not a good sleeper during the night. What like between the hours of midnight and seven p. Oh, seven a.m. is probably you don't sleep that well. Hence the fact that, as we sort of touched upon last week, you get a bit Captain Snoozy after sort of five, six, seven, eight beers.
1: Yeah, I'll, it's it's. Is that, it's is, that, is that is
0: that is that a thread through your life?
1: Okay, there was about three questions. There. It's a bit of a mystery. Um, it's definitely not a thread through my life. It's uh, it's evolved, but um. I don't like sleep. Jimmy Besto actually once told me that on these surf trips, he gives me some life coaching as well. And uh, seven seven to eight hours is really important. So I went and got a smartwatch and turns out I, I get plenty of sleep. Got no worries in that department. Um, and it's, I mean, I remember being back in Australia, being uh, having none of those problems, none whatsoever. Um, and it's something that's just evolved and it's it's certainly grown. legs. I'm not like, like you said last week, it, it does, it does divert or does diffuse a lot of situations that, and that seem to be, seem to be just heading for, you know, like America these days, they just look like this is just going to be a train wreck. And, um, all of a sudden just have a, have a nap. Um, hopefully someone's got their driver handy. Deliver your home and, and good to go the next day. Yeah. Well, yeah, well yeah, no no no
0: I think as you say, with the boys that love helping you out. It's just a case of we're not so sure in terms of how to handle the wife
1: now when yeah. we get you back and sort of, you know, yeah. you're looking she's, after she's, my husband. Well, she, yeah. She's pretty unfair in that in that regard. She's I mean I mean she she lives with with me, so she's she's looking for any scapegoats she can get. <laughs> There's been a couple of boys you prob- you may have. caught. Co- I think you almost you talk your way through it. Timmy Pickett has been uh, incredibly <laughs> yeah, un- unfairly vilified um, for yeah. doing, you know, for trying to help his mate out, but um, yeah, it just all gets a bit much. In terms of is it is it in the family? I don't really think so, but the old man's not not a great sight um, too too much later in the night either. So. There's, there's elements of it that, that are definitely hereditary. <laughs>
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Now, um, look, I think have got a bit more of a better insight into you as a as a, uh, a person and footballer and what you've known. Just the last thing, just sort of before we hit into these sort of, which you've called them the super six, but before we get into that, from uh, anyone, could you offer any tips for anyone who was wanting to move to Vietnam and actually live and start working there, given that, again, you talked about your rise in terms of a job and stuff like that. You got any tips for anyone that might be looking to come up to Vietnam? You know, as I said, it's a great country to live in, but to try and find a job. And obviously, you found a niche for what you do. But yeah, um, yeah. especially for us from a recruitment point of view, if we're yep. trying to rec- if we recruit some players.
1: Yep. Now, it depends on the on the space that you know, that someone's in. But, um, I mean, unfortunately, we don't often get this situation where you could give someone advice in in advance. But if someone was to give the footy club a bell six months in advance, that the, the yeah. stuff we could do, I think would be amazing. And there's been cases mm-hmm. where people have come with a few months up their sleeve and then we're able to, you know, help work something out with these things. But, um, I mean, watch watch this space. You have a look at, What's just happened with a global pandemic and Vietnam's come through unscathed, still doesn't get that much recognition for it. But uh, the opportunities that are going to keep popping up here in the next 10 to 20 years, it's, it's, it's the fastest developing country in the world and there's, there's no reason that'll that'll stop. Um, every, every geopolitical issue is just bringing more favour to, to Vietnam and the Vietnamese are, are lapping it up. Um, so I think there's, there's plenty of opportunities, but the footy club could could help just about anybody with six months notice. We can also help on the ground, but it just takes those few months, which yeah. um, you know, it feels a little bit stressful when you're in amongst it because you're like, oh, I wish I could help this bloke today. But yeah. generally if there's a bit of time, then there's 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 plenty of options around and I think that's just going to continue to blossom.
0: Right, that's good to know. So Bill, I'm gonna give you potentially one to three years notice here because when when big corporate swits me out the other side I was looking yep. for a job. Maybe I can come and be a lackey or driver or something like that.
1: Yeah, I'll hook you up with a craft brewery. Grab bikes are normally hiring. Um, <laughs> Could you yeah.
0: imagine me a graph on a grab bike? Oh, I'll be a disaster.
1: Yeah, absolute
0: I can, I can. disaster.
1: You'd be as bad as, as most of the drivers I get. <laughs> Reading Google Maps—that's your only job.
0: right um, yeah. Righto. Now, now the now the hardest part of this potty right is uh is is, is the super six. Now this is your idea. Yep. To do this. Now, given you created this, you probably had a bit more of a chance. Yeah. Think about it. Like they'll let like you know, if I had my time again last week, I probably would have went best dressed. I probably wouldn't have said Gus. I probably would have gone Thank further God. up the north and uh Todd Donovan That's in right. terms of a, a a unique unit. So and then if I had if I had teacher or the coach's pet, I probably would have gone with and Jake can kind of hate me for saying this, but I would have probably thrown the vegan under the bus here and said Jake Norris. So, yeah, so fair but but yeah, yeah, I think so. But, so that it's about my time again. But now you're in the hot seat, uh, young Wilbur. And yep. uh, we're gonna wheel these off. And I'm sure given the fact that I say you create these questions, I'll be looking for indelible insights here. So number yep. one. Um okay. Hang on a minute, I'm asking that question. <laughs> Just hang on a second, Phil. You, you can't self-ask the questions. Right. Number one, who is the funniest bloke? And that can be as I said last week. Funny looking, funny, ah, funny weird at the footy club that you think.
1: So I've, um, what I was about to say is I've I've actually, I have been able to have a think about this and I've tried to go back through the years a little bit. So some of these, you won't know, I'll give a quick, a quick bit of background, but dirty Brian, sure, good. I'm going to go for is the funniest swan. <laughs> He was one of our Irish recruits. Um, Iris John and Dirty Brian came through at the same time. Uh, and was just incredible around the club, actually. Didn't, didn't miss a tour. Really, really took to the sport. Was a very handy on-field acquisition. Uh, and he was just hilarious. Um, mostly just, I mean, Dirty Brian, he was, he was very sloppy in his uh, off-field <laughs> endeavours. Dirty Brian. Yeah. So, I actually do a little bit of work for a bar in Danang called dirty fingers, some design stuff, I have been doing. Yes. And uh, every time I search my computer to come to look for the designs, I type in dirty and a photo of dirty Brian pops up. So, uh, he's, he stayed in my mind, but he was, he's a hilarious bloke, an absolute, absolute legend, uh, for quite a few years. And, um, yeah, invaluable to the club. Uh, very funny. Yeah,
0: very good. I actually just thought of something about a past players, piece of the football club could look into. But as a side note, we'll take that offline, have a chat about that. Um, The angriest swan you've come across.
1: Okay, so... um, This could could be a long list. Yeah. By association, Angry Dave, Angry Dave Hadley, comes to mind, who um, was actually one of the most placid swans for... He was the old IT director at RMIT, a a big bustling centre-half forward he just had a few off days and um, so yeah, he was the most passive bloke ever was uh, always very friendly with the Miss universe at the time, the Vietnamese Miss universe oh, um, smart. friendly. He, he would be at pains to remind us, um, but yeah, just a couple of times he snapped. So he got the name angry Dave, but I, I never actually saw him that angry. So I would say uh, Phil Gassib who's back home in, in Bunbury at the moment, but I've been chatting yeah. to a little bit through the pandemic he um, he's, he's he's a very very angry man. Um, Can you give happy- an example of Phil? What he did? It, it's continuous, mate. You'd you'd see him after. I'd see him after a few years. He comes back to Saigon to visit. We we go and <laughs> hey Phil, uh, it's just great to see you again, mate. And he'd be like, oh, you're still a dickhead. And then he'd be like, where <laughs> where, where are we going to go and meet? Um, so we we've had a, a lot of laughs on a bit of a group chat through the pandemic. Um, everyone trying to cheer Phil up, and uh, he's, he's still pretty pretty grumpy. Uh, Mr. Powell would be up there, but I think that's a show. I think Mr. Powell is. Uh, he's yeah, He
0: can be angry, as I said, putting him and that one of the guys out of the Muppets that sit up there in the yeah. box up there, the Muppet Show. Everyone's yeah. one of those blokes.
1: But underneath, he's the most down for whatever and, and ready to go bloke. So I don't think he's having yeah. that bad a time. He's just, he's just putting it on for show. Yeah. Nah, fair enough. Um, yeah,
0: you brought it up last week, and then said I've changed my vote. But in terms of the best dressed Swanee getting around in your time,
1: yeah. So um, one bloke I'd, I'd call out, special mention, would be Dukesy. Ah um, uh, yes. Actually, he's pretty pretty horribly dressed most of the time, but um, every Sunday he'd make a special effort to to wear his best best Sunday shorts. And he's inspired me to, to wear some pretty average shorts to training and a couple of Sundays after footy games, just remembering that. But my best dressed officially is uh, Willie, um, Mark Williams from Hanoi, who was the first bloke to ever go to a tailor, which is quite, quite cheap here, but to get a Swannies <laughs> suit made up. I think he had a red suit, uh, he had a black suit, all with the Swannies logo embroidered on them. Yeah. And, mate, he, wore yeah. them. he wore them on footy tours. He wore them. Uh, I think he was. I think wearing he them.
0: wears them. Wears yeah. them to the, I think he wears think, to the Boxing Day Test.
1: I think as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I'd say he's still wearing them to, to work in Melbourne at one of the finer private schools, a couple of times a week. <laughs> he, he he, was he was very very well dressed and very very happy about it. So very happy yeah, to pay oh, him. Very that. good.
0: Very good. Now that mate, moving to the laziest. You yeah. the lazy
1: boys. Well, um, I can't go past and I can't split the Vins. Um, Big Vin, big Vin, little Vin. Um, I mean, anyone who, yeah, uh, they, we've had, we've had um, Bobby Pike running some fitness for us at training this year. And they have a incredible, incredible uh, knack of timing their arrival to be the second that he, that he goes and sits down and the footies come out. Um, and they've just, yeah, they, you often think, are these guys not that, not that keen or not that involved? But no, they never, they never miss a beat. They're, they're two of the greatest clubmen we have. Um, but they just happen to avoid any, any really hard work. Like the yeah, plate. no.
0: Little Vin, the biggest calves in, in, yeah. in, in Vietnam. And, and Big Vin probably still trying to trim down that guts of his as he got married, the Big Vin. So uh, I don't think he's
1: trying to trim it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's improving on it. Yeah. Uh, who would you nominate, mate, The have co- got two to go here. The coach's
1: yep. pet. Yep. So I've done this one over the over the journey again, and it's I think it's one bloke who um, every coach has absolutely loved, and uh, I, I would argue he, he he earns himself a bit of game time, and it, it'd be Gus. Oh. He he, <laughs> he endears himself to every single coach. Like you could also <laughs> argue he's, he happens to be a good bloke. But, um,
0: yeah, yeah there's,
1: nah. there's never been a coach that disliked Gus.
0: Well, no, I disliked Gus the time we played at Cambodia. And I said, no, leave it, leave it, not yours, Gus. And then someone else marked it and he turned around and sprayed me from the bandit line. And then the oh. ball's gone 50 metres off down the road. And I said, Gus, don't worry about spraying me. Just get out and chase the bloody <laughs> ball. you' playing." Yeah, do something. <laughs> yeah, don't just don't don't think. Do. Okay, so maybe. I'll oh,
1: stand corrected. Uh, yeah. Okay. He's yeah, really got track record there. Yeah, and then lastly, mate, the most annoying. Oh, uh, this one. Uh, so this one, very few people will will know about. Um, but uh, it'll let me get on to another pet hate. It's uh, mighty. So R- Richard Richard Quinn, who used to work in the Australian Embassy. Now the fact that he yeah. worked in the Australian Embassy and. As a long-time expat, the lack of uh, support they give to Australian people on the ground—that—that's a—he was always going to be on a tough wicket. But uh, I did come to him one time at training and say, "Mate, I've got a bit of an issue. My passport is—it's uh, a little bit haggard. I think it went through the wash. I just need some advice on the best way. You know, should I keep travelling on it and try to do it when I'm in Australia, or I'm going to have to replace it at some time, or whatever? I just just want some advice. This is your job. You're you're my mate at footy." Sure, you could help and he put his he put his uh his Australian embassy hat straight on and said listen bill if i if i take a look at your passport i am required based on the uh based on the you know the oath that i've taken as an officer of the Australian government i'm required to confiscate it if it's not up to a satisfactory standard i just i just want you to know that bill and I, i'm holding it in my hand at football training probably a beer in the other other hand Thinking my mate at footy will help me. And um, yeah, no dice. So he. Uh, oh, well, it's well, a
0: bit of a. Sh- let's give a bit of a shout out just to make sure he's all the best to you know if he's still working. He, he, was great, he was a
1: great bloke, but he, he rubbed me up pretty roughly that day. And every time I go back to the consulate, it reminds me of him and his, uh, his professional attitude. So <laughs> it's, it's an easy, most annoying swan for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, that professional attitude, doesn't that suck? Yeah. Um, right now before we, before we finish up mate I would like to ask you a question Which is uh, again um, off the cuff from my side Just regarding if someone out there listening uh, Wants to get involved with the football club Whether that be through playing or uh, sponsoring Or just helping out volunteering uh, What's the best way?
1: Yeah, I mean, the best way is to to get in touch. And probably the Facebook page is a great medium for that because we've got six or seven moderators in all corners of the country um, yeah. who are involved. So get in touch. That's the main thing. Um, definitely don't, don't hold back because, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's something for everyone in the club. And if, if you've got any inkling that it's something you'd like to find out more about, yeah, you're not going to regret it. Um, on field, off field, uh, any level, any background—it really is um, the sort of place that, that you can't you you can't go wrong. And living in a place like this, I think it it just does give a an incredible layer to your life that balances, you know, where you're from and where you are.
0: Yeah, no, very good, very good. Okay, no worries. All right, mate. Well, listen, hey, that's all I got for from from well, the questions. So anyway, so uh, look, thanks for your time. Um, as I said to you earlier before the podcast started. And again, I haven't seen you at training too often, but geez, you probably should start to probably punch a few k's. <laughs> I'll i I'll, 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 you yeah, you are the uh, epitome in, of the yellow pages at the moment with the been in chins, More, more chins than the yellow pages. Uh, yeah, yeah in, the, in the white pages book there. So, uh, but thanks, mate. Look, appreciate you spending the time. And then, uh, as I say, either you or myself or both of us will be. Uh, Hooking up again to partake in another podcast and get one of the other cronies on here to talk about uh, their life and background.
1: OK, thank you, Rocket.
0: Thanks, Billy. Now, th- let's uh, just a big thanks to Billy. Um, he has said he'd been a stalwart of the club over, uh, uh, as you heard there, a long period of time. Doing wonders for the club on the field, but more importantly off the field as well to making sure that blokes have got somewhere to train. Helping from a committee level as well. And as I said, he, he's doing a power of work um, with the committee. As I said, it doesn't get paid for it. So it's a small band of volunteers that pull together. And uh, as I say, he's been a part of that for a long time. So that's it. Episode number two, as they say, in the can. And um, stay tuned. Subscribe to the, uh, to the podcast if you like what you're hearing. If you uh, don't like what you're hearing, you're from the ANZ Bank uh well we respect that as well so uh take care everyone and uh yeah
1: we'll speak to you soon there are thousands more colorful characters throughout our club's history and we hope to catch up with them in future episodes keep an eye on our facebook website and subscribe wherever you found this podcast to catch those episodes even more massive thanks must go to the swan's incredible sponsors Our club can only do the things we do on and off field with the support of these guys. So we would love everyone in our community to use their business whenever you get a chance. They all do a brilliant job at what they do, so you can't go wrong. Our 2020 major sponsors are Wide-Eyed Tours, the best Indochina-specialised travel agent out there, Vietnam Backpacker Hostels, the most incredible budget accommodation you'll ever find with great locations throughout Vietnam, The Alfrescos Group, who provide the best Western food here in Vietnam, including an amazing delivery service if you're still staying at home. Beachside Boutique Resort, Club Hall of Famer, Travi Fennel's Paradise on Andang Beach in Hoi An. It's a must stay if you're in that part of the world. And we've got two new sponsors in 2020, which is an incredible, incredible result given the circumstances of, of this year. HMS Host International, led by Jono, the funniest swan's old man who manage hospitality chains in the region, including Burger King, who have seemingly been sponsoring our president, Fullback and Sharmac through the lockdown. And TAL Apparel, thanks to Big Jimmy up in Hanoi. They're a fantastic apparel manufacturer, bringing the latest technologies, fabric innovations and quality together to achieve outstanding results. They're at the pointy end of apparel production, both here and internationally. Like I said, check out these guys, use them where you can, you will not be disappointed stay safe wherever you are keep honking your horn and let's make sure we're singing this song together as soon as possible